0: Hi everybody, this is PJ with a quick PSA for the episode. I will not be present during this episode, but I thought it'd be fun to do the intro and outro, so you'll get me there. This episode contains a lot, (laughs) and it's certainly suited for mature audiences. So if you are not a mature audience member, now's your chance to get out. All right. Are you gone? Okay. There is an absolute metric fuck ton of not safe for work language on the show, including discussions about young adult fantasy, fairy sex, plenty of Draco Malfoy, certainly some discussions of oral sex, incredible Scottish accents, and some humongous monster cock. The only spoilers to be concerned with are that of the Akatar series through A Court of Silver Flames, But even then, it's mostly minor. Enjoy.
1: Welcome to Words and Whiskey Short Pours, a monthly podcast where we have a fun time discussing fictional worlds and the people that create them all while boozing just a little bit. My name is Cross.
2: And I'm Lindsay. Cross, you said just a little bit. That's not what I was was told coming on this podcast
1: we're probably going to be drinking more than just a little bit you're right that's a good call Well,
2: thank god for that uh today's episode is a special one where we have a small and lovely harem of guests here to discuss all things spicy smutty fantastical and steamy that's right this valentine's day we're discussing romance novels say hi everyone
3: Hi. Hi,
1: everyone. Hi, everyone. Yes. Awesome. Just so that we can get introduced to everyone, we're going to move into the usual kind of drink segment here.
2: Crossland, what are you drinking just a little bit of tonight?
1: Just a little bit. Uh, so I am having, what did we settle on this? Not Hoth, Spur of the, spur, oh, what are we calling this?
4: Oh, it was spur like. Spur of the moment cocktail.
1: Spur of the moment cocktail named after uh, the wonderful novel Ice Planet Barbarian series, Ice Planet Barbarians. Um, and what it is, is it's two ounces of gin, one ounce of vodka, half an ounce of lemon juice, six blueberries, an absinthe rinse in the glass, meaning you just swirl around a little bit of absinthe and throw it away and then kind of shaken altogether poured into a martini glass. I of course reformatted it into a very nice 16 ounce glass because I wanted to enjoy it and topped with Jones soda of which is uh, blueberry lemonade, Joe soda, which gives it that color throughout or the bright blue color throughout. So, deep,
3: deep blue color. My vocabulary is
1: very specific, and I'm so excited to be torn apart for it. Um,
5: torn <laughs> apart. So, no, Cross, Cross, the spur is part of his penis, so calling yeah. it deep is the right thing. <laughs> blue. I'm just, yeah.
1: I just, like, have blacked out that novel from my brain at this point. I read it, like, <laughs> when we thought of this idea a couple of months ago, when Lindsay pitched the idea, I was like, okay, so I'm going to gather some of the things that I've heard of, and, like, Ice Planet Barbarians was one, and... Man, it's just gone. It's like disappeared into the void.
4: <laughs> so you're basically drinking dick of the moment cocktail.
0: Yes. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> I told my friend at law school that this was happening and she said, oh, have you ever heard of Ice Planet Barbarians?" <laughs> oh, and I was man. absolutely floored. <laughs>
4: I had to tell my friends in a bookstore that it's a monster fucking strip, like book. They were like, what's this? Is it good? And I was like, um, are there children around?
3: <laughs> like, do you want to
4: yeah.
6: know what this is about? Is yeah, it we'll good? Get, we'll I mean, there. it's highly specific. It's a <laughs> we'll certain
1: definitely, kind of kink. We'll definitely ta- – yeah, it is a certain kind of kick. We'll definitely tackle that. Um, following that up, we're asking a little bit of a different set of questions than we would normally kind of talk about right off the bat. To start it off, um, what do you need to read? So in this case, what I need to read is absolutely no alcohol, actually. I cannot <laughs> drink and read. Um, unless I'm listening, in which case I can do whatever the fuck I want. I will like run and listen. I will walk and listen. I will play video games and listen to books, um, no problem. So, but if I'm curling up with a book, I cannot be drinking whatsoever. My book recommendation is one of two for for folks. Um, I've recommended in our regular show the Greenbone Saga to just about everyone um, I possibly can. So I, I felt like I had to come prepared with a second one, but I'm going to recommend it to you guys here. <laughs> Uh, it is a little bit more of a fantasy story fantasy not fantasy it's like godfather meets fantasy if that makes cool. sense um but the 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 sexuality is so well portrayed throughout the story and there are multiple relationships going on that it just it does everything justice and it's all like the romance is, romance is very central to a couple of the characters lives and it's just so well done um greenbone Saga by Fonda Lee. otherwise best served cold by joe abercrombie it's the fourth book in the first law series um, but ends up being a very very different novel than the rest of them a a badass mercenary woman mercenary uh kind of gets this crew together to kill her her brother's killer and to hunt down so revenge dish best served cold and uh the sort of sexual encounters that happen through that book are so well done and well like interestingly executed with a character that you wouldn't expect and it's just it's fun it's a will they won't they in that case but it's uh leave me alone <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the drinking <laughs> rules yet and i knew that this is going to happen before we got I there.
6: everyone to <laughs> know that doing the whole thing we were just roasting crossland in the chat <laughs> oh, it's roasting it's pretty flattering we're referring to him as daddy that's
5: <laughs> we're telling daddy crossland to take that spur deep
3: Take
1: Uh, care. Yes. Um, With that, I'm going to kick it to Kelsey to start off by introducing yourself.
5: Hi, my name is Kelsey. Kelsey McKenney. I am a writer slash book nerd. I run a women's feminist publication called Catcall Magazine, where we write about really neat intersectional stories um, that are about women, the LGBTQ plus community, and allies. Um, And then in that vein, I get to sometimes write about books, and I often write about smut books. So. I am really fucking excited to talk about all the dirty uh, shit that I like to read. Um, And tonight I am drinking the Sweet as Honeydew cocktail. For anyone who's read from Blood and Ash, this is a direct reference to the main character's, um, shall we say, taste of her pussy. (laughs) Um, Her sexual
4: awakening. (laughs) Literally, I'm
5: like, just... I mean, we love pussy in this household. So um, my drink is um, a a honeydew bellini, basically. So I had to make the honeydew portion first, which was two cups of honeydew puree, a fourth cup of sugar, because this is a sweet as honeydew drink, Um, two tablespoons of lemon juice. And then once you toss a little bit in the glass, you top it all off with Prosecco. And it is like, I think I finally understand, because as someone who loves pussy, I was like, I'm sorry, honeydew what? But like, now I get it. (laughs) Nice. Nice. And then uh, in that same vein, what I need to read is a fully charged candle, a pair of really comfy pants, and sometimes my cat, like, sleeping on my lap. But if I'm reading books that I really like to read, if I'm, as I say, reading left-handed, I also really need a charged vibrator. So that is my setup. book reading and my recommendation still (laughs) in all of the same i know i'm like i'm just laying it on here i don't know cross why you immediately kicked to me you were not want to save me for the end of this lineup (laughs) um but my book recommendation is from blood and ash which i keep talking about i promise it's not just um cunnilingus there is a lot of it but um it is basically a vampire book that's not a vampire book it's enemies to lovers spicy romance lots of stabbing it's a favorite of mine if you've ever loved twilight this is like the adult twilight it's addictive so cheers
1: excellent love that that's such a good such a good set there i can't believe what the fuck am i saying all right anyway i'm setting myself (laughs) up in a terrible way for the rest of this it's gonna be so good so easy to poke fun of me okay with that we're gonna go to addy next
4: cool um i hope you all know that i was giggling like a fool the entire time that kelsey was going Mm -hmm. uh so i'm addy whelan i am a social media manager by day and a Drumini slut by night. Um, I ship Draco and Hermione more than Helena. any other characters in the entire world. <coughs> so I can be found reading fanfiction on TikTok, reading fanfiction, comma, or on TikTok <laughs> talking about fanfiction, comma, or on Discord with a bunch of my friends talking about the fan fiction that we read or saw on TikTok. I'm a freaking massive music nerd, so my big thing is that I like to build playlists off of every single book that I read. Uh, I have like 500 plus pot or 500 plus playlists on Spotify, which for every single book that I read, I make a playlist for. Uh, so tonight I'm drinking basically like a Mezcal Paloma. I'm calling it a quart of smoke and sweet. It's Mezcal, uh, fever-tree grapefruit, and a little bit of lime juice. For me to read, I like my yellow IKEA chair. I go on YouTube and I find these eight-hour loops of ambiance music. Usually they have. Yes. rain sounds and then sometimes they have like piano or classical music over the top because I like a little bit of noise but not enough to distract me uh Kim Crawford Saab Blanc always in my engraved W wine glasses and a stuffed animal that fits perfectly behind the small in my back because I like just to be perfectly comfortable on the flip side if I'm listening to an audiobook or an audio fic there's nothing that makes me feel more powerful than when I am grabbing a tomato or any other produce at the grocery store and I'm listening to someone absolutely get railed. Like, (laughs) listening to smut at the grocery store is possibly the most empowering thing that I learned to do during COVID.
3: And, like, you'll be, like,
4: grabbing a cucumber and they'll be talking about, like, just absolutely getting sucked off. And you just, like, feel like, yeah, all of you guys are listening to Taylor Swift. Y'all are listening to, like, whatever you're listening to, and I'm just listening to someone get absolutely... (laughs) bone so that's me the book i want to recommend if we're talking about fan fiction i strongly recommend bring him to his knees it's by music you can find it on like ao3 which is archive of her own or honestly probably fanfiction.net it's a drago and hermione from harry potter fake relationship trope they are solving a murder mystery and they have to go to a kink club um it is Emotionally damaged Draco, which could make a girl fall out of her chair, because I love him. (laughs) And Hermione is witty and clever, and the banter is exceptional. And if we're talking about a real book, I want to talk about The Atlas Six by Olivia Blake. Um, Fun fact, she was a Germione author first. She wrote a ton of fan fiction. She self-published, and then she actually got picked up by a publishing house, and her book is coming out now in March. Um... It's dark academia. It is excellently written. It is possibly the best piece of literature I read in 2021. One of oh, the yeah.
1: friends of the show, Pierre Ford, absolutely loves that book. Um, and we're actually coming back to talk about it in April, I think. Um, so
2: yeah. Wow.
6: It's all, it's a gorgeous cover. I need to
2: add that. Like I am nowhere like near deep in fan fiction as Addie is, but this woman has never led me astray. She has incredible fan fiction recommendations and they always kick ass. So listen to her and try it. All of you listening, try it.
4: And I have playlists with like 200 plus followers on them, like my dark (laughs) Draco Malfoy one, or like I have one I just created the other day. And it's, there's a book called Wait and Hope. And in Wait and Hope, there's a character named Theo. And Theo is... What Harry Potter, fanfiction Universe has replaced Crab and Goyle with his blaze and Theo and Theo and "Wait and Hope is extremely, very gay and very closeted except for when he wants to be. And so I made a Wait and Hope Theo Not playlist, and it's just a bunch of absolutely fantastic gay anthems, and it is like, I just love it. I can talk about it forever.
5: Addie is Living. out here doing the
4: work that we need. And thank you. <laughs> Please keep in mind. I work all week in social media. So, I know how to use the tools. So, I've used the tools for my own brand.
7: That's a mystery tool you we'll blame And now I've That's built awesome. my own
4: TikTok empire.
1: <laughs> Your TikTok empire. We love my it. My
4: TikTok empire. I am Daydreaming Draco. Come are the American me. Dream. I just I- love to daydream. My favorite Radiohead song is Daydreaming. That's where it came up from.
1: Thank you so much. I think that brings us to Mary yeah.
7: next. Hi, I'm Mary. I am a teacher and. But I don't usually claim that when I talk about smut on the internet with people. So I'm just going to go with also, I like to sew and I like to dance and I'm a, I am have a dog. And that's pretty much it. Um, I'm drinking um, a drink I called Chapter 54 with um, a caffeine free, sweet, and spicy herbal tea because the chapter from Court Myths and Fury is known for being kind of sweet and spicy, just like the tea. Um, Mm -hmm. Jameson Irish whiskey, lemon, honey, and then like a fuck ton of cinnamon because you get a little extra kick in there. And I'm drinking it in like a glass goblet to feel like a bad boy, bitch. That's beautiful.
1: That is amazing. I thought you drank half of that earlier, by the way, and now it's full again. So I'm concerned. (laughs) Did you just re up your. Ah, All
2: right. A little bit to hold her to it. Mary is an incredible seamstress, like just an artist, and um, she has multiple times said that she wants to create the three sister dresses from Akatar, A Court of Thorns and Roses, and so I'm putting this on the internet, so now she has to do it. Everyone bully Mary on the internet until she makes these dresses. You <laughs> better, Mary. You better do it.
3: You little bitch.
5: <laughs>
8: you make Mary, I'm begging you, Not my I'm daughter, i a, a bitch. bitch.
7: What do you need to read, Mary? I need, um, like, a warm cup of tea, a glass of wine. Um, sometimes my fiancé will draw me a bottle bath with, like, a ton of candles. And, like, the other day, mm-hmm. he brought him, like, a plate of nachos, which it, not at all is an appropriate bath time snack. But it really, like, worked for me. I You know, I, did I drop a little bit of shredded cheese <laughs> in the tub with me? Who's to say? But none of your business.
4: It's just Mary and <laughs> a bag of shredded <laughs> cheese.
7: Um, yeah. And I just, like...
5: Mary over here living, living the dream, American living the dream.
7: dream. Um, and then <laughs> I just need a way to like rest the book so I don't have to use arm muscles while I read because I don't want to do that. Um, but yeah. Reading is no. not
2: a sport. We are not sports kids. We, we are, are book, book kids. We are inside kids.
7: Um, but yeah, just like most of the books I read, like none of them are literary masterpieces by any means. Um, but I'm always looking for like a book to pull me out of the book hangover or a slump. And those books are usually, like, just, like, a nice romance with a little bit of trouble that's predictable, and they follow, like, a very similar pattern each time. So, I'm going to recommend, if you're, like, really depressed and you just finished the ACOTAR series, just, like, dive into the selection. You can finish all three books in, like, 48 hours, and you can just feel a little heart warmed. And, like, you're in middle school, again, in your Hunger Games, Katniss Everdeen, dystopia moment. So. It's like The Bachelor, but Royalty core. is how I would describe it. Hell
2: yeah. Book hangovers are the absolute worst. (laughs) Tiff, you're next.
6: Hi, Uh, I'm Tiff, and I am a nonprofit worker and also a grad student. Um, I'm currently in school to do teaching eventually, so that's cool. I am a big Star Wars fan, and I'll talk to anybody about Star Wars for, like, a long, long time. And I'm also a big Twilight fan, which is something that's coming back into style, which is kind of fun. Because it was not at the time. (laughs) It was not at the time. (laughs) And I'm newer to, like, reading romance novels proper, because it's just not something that, like, really tickled my fancy uh, at the time, or, like, previously. And I got into it uh, more recently. Actually, Lindsay was the one who was like, you should read Akatar, and then we can talk about it. And now we've slowly made our entire mutual friend group read Akatar, which is so funny. Um, But yeah, that's that's kind of me. Uh, Right now I'm drinking what I'm referring to as the Why Am I Covered in Feathers. Uh, It's vodka, cranberry juice, white rum, lime juice, sparkling sugar on the rim. Because it's a cheaper and what I had around sex on the beach, which is essentially what that is from in uh, Breaking Dawn. When I am reading, I like to have three drinks. I am a three drink lady, one for hydration, one for caffeine and one for fun. Yes. (laughs) Listen, listen, I need you to understand that I got my ADHD diagnosis during COVID. So like that's just kind of explained a lot of things. And then I also listen to music. I don't super care if there's uh, words or not, but if it has words, it needs to be something that I know. Tend to prefer headphones, but speakers are fine too. The book that I want to recommend is kind of a total left turn from what everybody else has talked about, but I want to talk about Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. It's a Star Wars novel, but it's not super Star Wars-y. It won't make you hate yourself like reading other Star Wars novels sometimes does. It's light enough on lore that I've seen non-fans really enjoy it um, because it's also like a tragic romance. It's kind of a retelling of Romeo and Juliet, um, but in the Star Wars universe. And it does a really good job of even though it's not super lore heavy, it still has that big, bad doom feeling that the Empire gives in Star Wars world um it's delightful there is a little bit of steam but it's technically a ya so it's not super descriptive but it's very romantic and lots of longing and tension and that kind of stuff so i would recommend lost stars even if you don't like star wars i would still recommend lost stars that's awesome i want
2: to
1: i love i love that recommendation i've read just about every uh legacy book i've talked about this so much on the show but i've read like almost every book i haven't read lost stars so there we are now i've got now i've got something to go home read
6: and Lost Stars is canon, so you can, like, yeah. start reading canon stuff, too. Oh,
1: fuck. <laughs> Losing all of that canon, I don't need to go into it. Anyway. Um, <laughs>
6: it's, it's, it's yeah, it's hurtful, but yeah, it's, it's okay.
1: It's pain. Uh, that brings us round to Lindsay.
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Lindsay Lundeen. I am a soon-to-be jurist doctor, avid reader, hiker, poetry writer, road tripper, and certified hot girl.
4: And don't forget, <laughs> she's spicy. <laughs>
2: And don't forget, she's spicy. Um, Tonight I am drinking the Rita's Special, which is a little ACOTA reference for those of you in that vein. Um, And the Rita's Special is a tantalizing, wonderful drink that includes whatever I had left over in my cupboard. Um, So I don't (laughs) actually have a lot of alcohol at my house right now because I'm in law school and I don't have time to drink. Um, So this drink is made out of a, I'm drinking two separate drinks. One is uh, a pre-made drink from a distillery near me called BB Bent Brew Distillery, and it's called Spicy Dog. I bought this drink when I was at the Distillery, brew distillery, whatever, with some friends, um, and put it in my trunk and forgot about it until earlier today when I was looking <laughs> for something to drink. The, yes. drink um, the Rita Special that I'm drinking includes uh, some actually really lovely gin that I got as a gift from a distillery in Alaska, and then the last can of Lacroix in my fridge and some blueberries. <laughs> so, if you want
1: to so make, make Lindsay, what do you need to read?
2: Um, to read, I am a little like pillow princess when I'm reading yeah, and maybe yeah. in real life too, but I need all of my snacks and a warm drink next to me with a blanket, comfy clothes on my couch under like 18 blankets because I am not moving for two hours. Like there have been times where my roommate is up and walking around and I'm like, you know, buried under these blankets with a book and I'm like, Dane, will you go fill out my water bottle? And like, I'm objectively closer to the kitchen, to the water. But I'm under these blankets, and I'm reading, and I'm so sorry, but that means I'm not moving. Um, So that's what I need to read. And then the book I'm going to recommend to everyone is The Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern. Um, Morgenstern is best known for The Night Circus. Um, Controversial opinion on my part. I actually like The Starless Sea better. Um, Both are awesome. Both are really, really good. But The Starless Sea is a queer romance that's very whimsical and quirky and well written. It has some kind of like loose Neil Gaiman slash like series of unfortunate events kind of vibes. It's really, really lovely. Um, the romance doesn't show up till later in the book, but it is it is well worth the entire trip. So that's what I recommend to everybody.
1: Awesome. We got through intros. That's fantastic. I'm so excited that we we get to get into the the meat of the episode. It's always it's always a curious uh, curious the thing meat. to go through the meat of the episode. I knew exactly what I was saying. Excuse me. Um, Excuse so me. So <laughs> with that, we we've got a different spin on this episode. We're going to be running through. I am going to mostly be playing Arbiter to make sure that we move from topic to topic that said we're going to do this a little bit differently as well we actually have a drinking game tied in for those of us who are doing this right now and you can play at home too so uh we've got really the game is just a couple of rules it's pretty simple it's anytime we bring up a trope outside of the current section meaning that if we're talking about kind of we keep the tropes in whatever we're talking about and if we bring in something else to talk about how it relates we take a drink everyone drinks um in that case in those individual cases and then we've got so that includes things like Hades Persephone retellings enemies to lovers dystopia broody boys uh what's another good one um If
4: you add emotionally damaged
6: to this I'm emotionally screwed.
1: damaged yeah I mean it's it's the list right so if it's a trope we'll all call you out like that'll be the that'll be the trick one bed yeah. Yeah. I would really so like a clean sleeping bag take
6: of crossland saying birdie or batty boys for like a ringtone for broody
1: boys yeah
3: Ooh, ooh. ooh spicy. Um,
1: <laughs> broody boys every time that could just be on repeat it'll be fine that'll be my new ringtone uh beyond that we've got individual rules because you guys know each other best and i think that this kind of this is kind of a fun way to do it so for me it's anytime i get shut down or say something dumb which is going to be whenever i open my Never. fucking mouth uh, <laughs> never, Ew. not even one time. Anytime Lindsay giggles uncomfortably at something <laughs> that someone says. I'm Addie mentions Harry Potter.
3: Bastia. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime
1: Raleigh's. Kelsey recommends a Buckwild plot. Anytime <laughs> Tiff brings up Twilight. And anytime Mara... Mary, Jesus, I drink, read two words drink, at once. Wow, drink. that's dyslexia. Yeah, clearly. I'm going, fuck, damn it. Uh, Mary brings up Sarah Costume J. Maas. I thought
6: you were colorblind, not dyslexic. <laughs> it's the same thing. What is dyslexia if not colorblind, but for letters?
1: That's that's a bonus rule. That's a perfect bonus rule. I love that. So these individual <laughs> rules, though, only apply to that person. So anytime oh, I get no. shut down, I take a drink. If Lindsay giggles, Lindsay takes the drink. Oh, et so oh, no. those are individual oh. for us fuck the other ones apply to <laughs> gonna every gonna one. be on the ground does that make sense
5: yeah yeah yes. yes. it's gonna be so angry but it makes sense fun. thanks daddy, <laughs> Cross. Yes. daddy Cross. you're being so good to us <laughs> my
1: god all right so with that now that we have the drinking rules established for the episode i'm taking a drink fuck this is the most all action
2: right. he's gotten in years you guys
1: all right so with that we are going to move into the I don't want to say meat of the episode, but it feels like we're going to move into the meat of the episode. It's the
5: meat of the, the shaft. We're going to start at the
1: tip. We're going to work our way down. It's fine. Uh, so <laughs> this sword. is. Sword. Held... as you go down. And this... Fall as you
3: go up. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry.
4: All right. I read it. Hold on. So... I, I screenshotted it for this exactly reason. I screenshotted <laughs> something that I thought was very relevant that my friend wrote. And it was from this serious Ginny thing.
0: I'm super. And
4: ready. it was about. <laughs> Squeezing when you go down. Oh, you go the by the when way, you like go back down, a rim before pulling to back cocktail.
1: Up. Addie, you actually did talk about Harry Potter outside of the realm, so it's important Damn that you it.
4: take a drink. Damn it! I will have. Oh, that's right. so My friend teaching me how to give a hand job. Yeah. Um, Oh my god, I love it. With that, keep in mind, going to- you guys, that I'm like still sleeping a teddy bear, and I'm 28. Like, <laughs> I'm like a baby.
1: We love that for you, though. Um we do. <laughs> With that, we're going to kick to Kelsey to talk about why we're here to talk about this specifically and kind of the importance.
5: Yeah. So why should we care about romance books? Um, I kind of want to start off with the fact that If you're not a romance fan already, like romance books kind of get a bad rap when it comes to being something that's cheesy, like long haired Fabio on the cover, like those paperbacks, your creepy old aunt with a bunch of cats reads, like, (laughs) you know, because classic misogyny, basically. So, amen, right. Like there's this there's a very common thing in our world where things that women enjoy are written off as stupid, which Mm -hmm. is frankly bullshit. Um And especially in this case, romance books are often written by women and for women. That doesn't mean that that's their limited audience, but because that are, oh my God. Okay. Sorry. I'll I'll get back into the, I'll get back into, into my group. But basically, especially, thank you. Especially in this case where romance books are often written by women for women. Now that's not the only audience that can enjoy romance books, but they've kind of, they've gotten a bad rap and they don't deserve it because there's, actually so much more to them than what you know your aunt with a bunch of cats who honestly your aunt's probably like really fucking cool like let's be real Mm -hmm. um she's probably great but some of the benefits of romance books is that love and relationships is actually a really entertaining aspect of literature like it's it is exciting and thrilling and and it's no less than action or fantasy or mystery like those things can be woven together um There's something really great about romance in that we can learn a lot about relationships with ourselves, with each other, with other people that we care and love about. I mean, it's like a glimpse into kind of our desires in terms of the connections we want. Um, And then when romance books get spicy, it's this really awesome safe space for us. It's this really awesome safe space for us to explore sexuality and things that we're sexually interested in in a way that's really consensual. No one gets harmed. It's not real bodies doing things. It's a way for you to kind of explore your kinks and spicy things and stuff that maybe you're attracted to in a really consensual and safe way. Um, And often, like, with romance books, it's not just porn, but sometimes it is. And that's totally great, too. But we're going to kind of go through the gamut of all of these different aspects of of love and romance and sex and desire. And I think you're going to be really excited because I'm really excited. And here's Um, the
4: thing, too. Like, it literally... Okay, like, if you were one of the people (laughs) that read these in high school or you read them in college Uh or, like, you read fan fiction in high school or fan fiction in college or, like, you read after as it was being released, people were like, oh, you read fan fiction? Like, there was this whole mentality about, like, people who read these kind of books and exactly what you said. Like, if you went to Barnes & Noble and, like, the romance section with the paperbacks of, like, Fabia with the long hair on them and it was, like, it was very shameful to go over there and then suddenly it's, like, But like when you actually read these books, it is like empowering. It is empowering to see a woman or a man or any kind of couple of any mix or different genders or whoever believes in what. And everybody is so damn happy and everybody is so just living their best life. And I feel like personally, that's half of like what TikTok did. Like TikTok literally changed it from Hey, you go to Barnes and Noble, you don't want to go to this section to suddenly everybody is like seeking out Kindle Unlimited, like spicy romance books, and there's a no in between.
5: Yeah. Addie, you touched on like the empowerment of reading romance and also I think like the opposite side of that, like the shame that comes from wanting to explore your sexuality. And as someone with a very religious background, and I don't think I'm the only one in this in this whole podcast who has very similar experiences. All right, let's go. She not, she's she's Catholic. Right. like <laughs> There's a lot of religious trauma that comes yeah. with shame and, em- and embracing your sexuality and romance books and smutty, dirty books give you the chance to come like face to face with your sexual desires in a way where you can figure it out internally, which is what I have loved about being able to read dirty books. And so honestly, too, em-
4: I will say yeah. I am more confident in who I am, what I love and who I want to love because I read and what I read than i have ever been in my entire life like i'm not even joking that like when i'm reading a book and i'm like damn i love that she's freaking like aelin in throne of glass like i watch her do things and she is powerful and she stands up to what she wants and she knows what she wants in the bedroom and not and it is like damn i want to be her it's like it's Mm -hmm. empowering to have someone to look at and be like i want to live her life and it's Before it was like, oh, no, she's reading that book. And now it's like, oh, hell, yeah, she's reading that book. Like, go her.
8: Um, When I was younger, I did not know what fan fiction was, nor did I know that I was reading it as I was, like, taking it in. But one of my little cute little things that I did um, was I would go on YouTube and I would look up, like, Nick Jonas, Miley Cyrus, love story. Very, like, fan fiction. What would it be like to be, like, POV in their shoes? And I just remember the drama in these like YouTube PowerPoint slides. And then Nick took her in his arms and laid her on the bed of the tour bus and then cut to like two years later and they had like their first child. And it's so dramatic because she's like 18 and then someone spills. Yeah. Tiff, Kelsey really covered why we're here. Um, I think what a
3: lot
2: of people think about smut or romance novels, the first thing they think of is Fifty Shades of Grey. Is that what we're here to talk about?
6: Holy shit, we are not here to talk about Fifty Shades of fucking Grey. <laughs> oh, well then I'm leaving. This, uh, that's fine. <laughs> uh, this, that series is bad for a lot of reasons. It's not a good example of a BDSM relationship. It's not a good example of erotica. The characters are gross and horrible. Uh, Overall, it's just a bad book series. E.L. James is a bad person. Like, Stephanie Meyer doesn't need any defenders. But E.L. James stole her whole thing. And then she even started writing some from Christian's perspective, which is wild.
2: So to clarify for people who don't know, why are you bringing up E.L. James, the author of Fifty Shades of Grey, and Stephanie Meyer, the author of Twilight?
6: Yeah, so to bring it back to a fanfiction conversation space, (laughs) the the story Fifty Shades of Grey started out as a series on, I think it was fanfiction.net, which is like old school for Mm -hmm. me personally. It was called Master of the Universe, and it was super crazy long, and it is a Twilight fanfiction where nobody's... Vampire, nobody's werewolves. It's all just regular people. But Christian is Edward. I think her name is Anastasia. It's Anastasia. Is it Anastasia Anastasia or something? She goes by Anna for the most part. (laughs) Uh, And she is Bella. It's it's just bad. Like don't read it.
5: (laughs) Tiff, wasn't it like a lot of it plagiarized from existing fan fiction about Twilight? Yeah, it was.
6: It was. It was a lot of stolen content, and it was just overall. Bad. Don't read it. It's don't awful. Don't read it. There we have better so things. we have so many better
5: recommendations for you over the course of this. So there's very <laughs> no shame. Like,
6: there's Fifty Shades of Grey fan fiction that's better than Fifty Shades of Grey, <laughs> and then you don't give her any money.
5: <laughs> okay, here's here's the thing I too. Do. Like I don't want to shame anyone if that's like the first smut book they read because it was one of the first popular ones. So like it's not your fault that you didn't know that EL James is garbage, but there's so much better work out there, and we're really excited to share it with you. Okay, so, but also
4: yeah. how many people because I know I was, read Fifty Shades as a Twilight fanfic or read t- read it or saw the movie, and people were like, Oh god, you saw Fifty Shades? Like I saw. There
1: was also shame associated with that, for sure. Yeah.
4: Oh yeah, yeah there was. I oh, remember yeah. telling someone that, like, oh my god, I just, I just saw Fifty Shades, and someone was like, "Are you old enough to see that?" It's, a, is it yeah. a porno? Like,
2: yeah. No. There was an aspect of shame. <laughs> it's not a porno. It's just a bad movie. <laughs> That's fair.
8: Oh no, just the the song from The Weekend. It was like worth it or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Was and it there's called? the
2: LA
4: Ghouling. Oh and my god. Is it?
8: <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, I just remember I was literally at summer camp volunteering with my friends, and we were all just, like, drifting through the woods, holding a Bluetooth speaker, listening <laughs> to
6: them. Are you sure there wasn't something in the water? We are pretty horny, I bet. <laughs> so, you know. There are some really good things to come out of Fifty Shades of Grey, I think. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the source material is any good. Which I think kind of goes back to a lot of things associated with this genre and with also just like fiction in general that people our age are really into at this point like we're learning a lot more about certain aspects of certain people that are maybe not so great and downright horrid and bad and now here we are having grown up liked those things and there are good things that have come out of it but that doesn't mean that the thing itself is any good are, Are
1: we the talking about? Made the We're talking about Gerald Tolkien, right? Yeah. like Tolkien's yep. really bad. <laughs> I was like...
6: thinking about J.K. Rowling, but <laughs> that's fine too. Do you mean Jolking, broken, roking, <laughs> Tolkien? Don't slander <laughs> him in my not home. in this good Christian
1: household. <laughs> I was gonna say the other reason that we really wanted to talk about this is because obviously the show that PJ and I normally do, um, we haven't read anything that even has like real romance in it right and so like we we just haven't hit one of those series i've got a couple that we even put up to be voted on and they ended up losing uh compared to some other series so we started off with red rising uh and now we're currently in mistborn but we wanted to because Lindsay has read these um we wanted to kind of at the very least give a little bit of a preface as to how the show connects and kind of the the interesting thing there so
2: Right. Like Red Rising is um, sexy, but it doesn't have sex. Right. Right. And Mistborn is like taking a fucking cold shower. I love I love Sanderson with my entire heart. And he's one of the few male authors. And I'll bring this up later at some point. But he's one of the few male authors who doesn't do a shit job writing female characters. Um, But there is. There's nothing sexy about the Mistborn novels. And that's great. And I actually I love that for the Mistborn novels. Um, But we're here to talk about explicitly and explicitly (laughs) sexy novels.
1: Yes. I, I think the maybe only real like there there's a moment that we can't talk about because you haven't finished that last book yet. But there is like Apollonius in Iron Gold of which you just finished. And like he is I know I sent the photo to the group of that that sticker with the NSFW thing right Mm -hmm. over his dick that is Apollonius (laughs) that was a fan art drawing that got sent to me as like a little like piece of mail because we made a joke about it but he's just this bronze god of like and it's it is very sexy but there isn't anything there's nothing about it outside of appeal
2: right but it's like it's like empty sexy right Mm -hmm. it's like seeing the the latest Dolce & Gabbana ad sexy instead of something that really makes you feel something in your soul Right. What a good comparison. I, yes.
3: That was, that was
5: great. (laughs) Thank you.
3: That was a great thing.
1: So I, I also just wanted with that same degree to talk about like cut to black in general because I think that fits into the intro. Lots of fiction. And I, I don't think that this is strictly, the more that I've thought about it originally I was like, yeah, it's a bad thing. But the more that I think about it, it's almost better to not write it if you're not talented enough to write something and provide representation than it is to fuck it up and provide like a, a misrep.
5: Yeah. I mean, we're, we're adults. I Mm -hmm. want to read about an adult relationship and my adult relationships involve sex. So, yeah,
1: that's why I love the Greenbone saga so much is because that's like a huge critical point for two characters is their relationship and how that changes between the three books and how you can tell that someone has been seriously impacted by a, a lie and a decision by one character to another from book to book to book um and it's like a 20 year relationship too which is also unique like age oh, cool. age in a relationship wow. is is mm-hmm. an interesting mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. anyway want to move away from that because i've pitched that book series enough in my life i love it i recommend everyone I here don't read, have it, to read it but though. it's so
6: fucking yeah i just good. put it on my goodreads so, <laughs> so like,
1: fucking good jade city is so good I jade War is incredible
2: miss like miss born is great miss is right. great like in this
4: moment you just bought miss born like two days ago i was at a bookstore and it was like five dollars and i was like done yeah.
2: oh hell yeah that's awesome
4: but okay, but on your point perspective, Kelsey, about like being adults and like adult relationship, I'm going to take a drink because I'm going to reference a Harry Potter fan fiction that I'm reading right now. <laughs> so it's a 550,000 word slow burn called Measure of a Man. Wow. It's by in a Day's 22. Ooh. So it's 42 chapters and I'm 39 and she's releasing it every three weeks and every chapter is significantly long. Like it's it's 550,000 words right now a while like they're fully adults but it's really nice because it doesn't just like chapter one is not them just banging like it's not immediately them Mm -hmm. getting it out and doing their thing it's like realizing that like trusting each other and going through their trauma and understanding like who they are and what they've gone through makes them like and they get it's slow burn so like it's they don't even get together in the first 15 chapters but like sex is a part of their relationship because it's intimate and because it's like the moment of like, I trust you and you trust me. And that's it's foundational like, the whole thing is that it takes them 20 something chapters for him to let her in and for her to be comfortable with someone after she's had all this stuff happen in her life. And it's like sex is not like sexy smut like for this. It's like it's a it's a feeling of like, I trust this person. I trust them enough with me to like do the most intimate thing possible with them.
5: And it sounds yeah. like it's necessary to to the plot to develop their relationship. So it's love it.
1: I I love that. I think we're going to move into uh, we're going to we definitely have like a whole thing that we want to we want to get through. But I think the biggest way to pitch this is to start with the historical. Right. So we we get the why. Now it's now it's the history of how we got to where we are today, um, including all the way through fan fiction, and things like that. And that's how we're going to kind of navigate this conversation. So, again, uh, Lindsay and Kelsey chatting about this and anyone else jump in Would necessary.
2: So romance novels, you know, date all the way back to Jane Austen, which some people might consider romance, some people might not, but write these witty, heartbreaking, female-focused, just beautifully written, lush novels about the trials and tribulations of the heart. Um, romance author Sarah McLean argues that the modern era of romance started in the 1970s with a woman named Kathleen Wood Woodweiss? Woodweiss. Woodweiss. Not sure device. Oh, yes. De- nice. I, like, I like a fluid device. Yes. That's um, cute. Sarah McLean is an author who wrote books like Bombshell, Heartbreaker, Daring in the Duke, Beauty and the Beast, or sorry, Brazen and the Beast, that kind of thing. Um, I was going to say. I won't get, thank you. I won't get too deep into it because uh, Sarah actually talks all about this herself on an excellent 99% Invisible podcast episode called The Clinch that you should definitely, definitely, definitely check out to get a deeper dive on this. So just to bounce off of, of Lindsay, and I just,
5: I need to be upfront that Lindsay did all of the work in terms of the research <laughs> of this. So I'm going to read from her notes, but I don't want anyone to think that I, I, Lindsay did this work. I just have a really nice voice sometimes. <laughs> um, but basically, Kathleen got really pissed that none of the like fun, whimsical, badass, exciting books she saw at the bookstore had female pr- protagonists. like There weren't women reading these, like leading these stories that she was passionate about. So she was like, fuck it. I'm going to write one. um. And so romance became this genre where women were really powerful agents of their own destiny. Um, all those cheesy covers kind of came a little bit later. And this this episode we'll talk a little bit about... Oh, is this the, like, the, the, the clinch, clinch episode. episode? The clinch
3: episode.
5: Yeah. yeah, so that clinch episode talks all about, you know, that kind of trajectory of the romance genre And according to Lindsay, it's really interesting and I need to really read it. Um, But they were this this really loud, no boys allowed sign on the front door because what guy is going to pick up Fabio because (laughs) toxic masculinity is like not on my watch, shirtless man. (laughs) Um, um, But basically it became, okay, which led to, of course, the societal disdain because anything that women really like in mass like we talked about earlier automatically becomes something that's socially abhorred or less than or Mm -hmm. cheesy or
4: stupid
2: yeah the 99% in physical podcast quotes julia quinn who's the writer of bridgerton which is now also a show that i put off for the longest time um but it's worth the watch and it's worth the read uh but julia quinn the author said quote other genres get judged by the very best of their writing and romance novels get judged on the very worst of it often And I just think that's so true, right? Today, we have some authors who are absolute experts at prose and just write these beautiful, lush novels. Um, And there's others, you know, who are just here to help us all have a good time. And that's awesome, too. Uh, But recently, there's been this, this huge resurgence in the romance novel. And I really think we need to give it another chance. So here we are in the year of our Lord, 2022, with modern romance novels bearing everything from these cute illustrated covers with, you know, like stick people or drawings on the front to sexy, suggestive fruit to dimly lit pictures of furniture on the covers. Um, and people are, are buying them in mass once again social media has actually had a huge impact on the romance novels return. So I'm going to kick it back to Mary to talk a little bit about book talk and how book talk has helped her get back into reading.
8: Okay. I did say it in the group chat, but when, when you guys kept saying and mass, I really wanted to be like, do you mean Sarah mass? You Wait, mean can her? we get a sound
2: clip? Can we get a sound clip of, of Mary saying it just like that? And can you just insert it somewhere, please?
8: Okay. So, um, for many of us and we were Younger, we were all the readers who were sitting in a corner, uh, not, not always reading the Harry Potters and the Percy Jacksons and the Divergent and the Hunger Games, but sometimes getting off into like other okay. little niches, like Addie with her You Are Named fanfic or Kelsey with perhaps accessing some feminist porn in a young age. No one knows, but it seems like maybe <laughs> that happened. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I felt like I kind of started to burn out on reading as we went into like later into high school and college because reading turned from a hobby into like academia. And the last thing I wanted to do was turn something that I loved so much that like kind of got me through childhood and like made me the person that I was into this short. So I, I kind of stopped reading for a while. Um, except for like the summers when you do like your annual, you know, Harry Potter reread, um, or whatever. But, uh, book talk kind of changed that for me because the reasons. But yeah, so I don't know. I downloaded TikTok like month two of the panorama, the Hannah Montana Pandama. <laughs> um, and I had like book talk creators just like immediately show up on my for you page. And I was like, Oh my God, is this like TikTok telling me I need to like read again? Like this is crazy. Um, and I felt like, kind of seen by an algorithm in a really weird way. um, And it was kind of like the little fire under my butt I needed, and I started following along with, like, these book talk things, and I heard about this Akatar, Akatupitup book series. And I was like, that sounds kind of cool, but I have no idea what that means. Like, Does what Mary is it have about?
4: to take a drink? Not
1: because for this. This was within right, category. Yeah, this is within um, category. I mean, I yeah but she's doing Boys. it anyway like a hero
6: yeah like a camp we love the dedication like cassian's little bitch
3: <laughs> Ooh, um,
6: don't threaten me with a good
8: time yeah right um <laughs> daddy cass anyway um so yeah i talking in circles but basically i started seeing like creators like cave in books and taylor's book talks and imagine this life with me and they all had like these povs like your name, this is like you in these scenarios. And I was like, we'll <laughs> get some tinglys. My goodness, <laughs> I'm like, what is this? <laughs> um, and I really like kind of dove into it on, on almost like reversed. Like I feel like a lot of people, they read the book and then they like go seek out this like fan art and these POVs, but they came to me first and then I went to them. So that was kind of nice. It was like I had like part of the work already done for me. So, um, so book talk now like is full of creators like roasting characters for tropes. Like, I am gonna talk about Akhtar for the millionth time, but like, there's this funny thing that like Feyre, who's allegedly this painter, <laughs> allegedly always roasts Feyre for her painting and like shows like stick figures and like these fucking like kindergarten level.
2: Sarah said she was a <clears throat> painter.
8: She, she never, never said, said she was a good, was a
3: good yes. painter. <laughs> well, this is I my mean, favorite. Also, like,
2: here. This is my favorite trend on Book Talk right now. Is like assuming that Feyre is a shit painter, and it's so <laughs> funny.
4: Okay, what's crazy too is like the so Book Talk especially and Acatar specifically have completely influenced. And I'm gonna pull out like my social media marketing brain is like when you go to Barnes and Noble or you go to an independent bookstore, they have a table at Barnes and Noble for Book Talk. Mm-hmm. And they have like mm-hmm. lists for book talk. And so it's like book talk is completely and like, I know I was, I was reading the wrong genre of books before I started re getting into fantasy. I was reading like the book of the month. This book is going to change your life books. And I was like, okay, I
3: already have the
1: Oprah elderly. list. I already the, have mental yeah. illness.
4: Like I don't need someone to tell me about theirs. <laughs> like I already am anxious Boring. enough. Like I don't want someone to tell me about no their No one needs anxiety. Frederick
1: Bachman in their life. Right. Yeah,
4: like I don't want to read about some girl who's like gonna change her life because she got a new job. Like, bestie, we all do that. Like, welcome to the club. And <laughs> everybody read Akatar and everybody suddenly liked to read fantasy again. And it was like, I cannot explain to you how many people I know that did not read at all. And then they read Akatar and then suddenly they have joined the club. And it's like, you say, what do you recommend I read? And, like, I remember I hadn't talked to Lindsay and, like, you and I have talked, like, a lot, but, like, it had been a couple of years and then all of a sudden, like, we started talking and then we started talking actor and fan fiction and it was like, oh my gosh, we like to read. And Kelsey, like, Kelsey saw me on Goodreads and, like, Kelsey texted me and we hadn't talked in five years. Like, <laughs> and then, like, we became friends, like, not friends again, but, like, we became closer because we were reading the same thing. And yeah, now it's, like, everybody is reading these same book talk books or whatever you want to call them. And suddenly like everybody's like,
8: it's a community up here. I,
1: I think, yeah. I think Tiff even made this joke and comment in the chat um, that, that was going on, but like the burnt out to reading ACOTAR pipeline. Right. And I, mm. I think that that is actually burnt out to like reading and talking with your friends about it is like a super, super thing. Like other readers. I totally think that that's real.
8: Absolutely. And like, I feel like that's something that we were all kind of missing and that's what book talk gave us was an opportunity to like talk about books and have a community, especially during like a panorama when that, when that was lacking, you know? So, um, um, but yeah, Lindsay and I were even talking about it as like a way to like reclaim your inner child and like kind of do a little bit of healing and, and figure out like, Hey, like maybe you didn't have the pals to talk about the books you love when you were a kid, but have we got a show for you? Let's it. So that's awesome. And even think about like with book talk, like, now there's, like, going to be, like, events and cons, like, faced around, like, these popular mm-hmm. book talks. Like, book talk balls are, like, going to happen, which, by the way, fuck me up. Let's go, right? That's when I'm we so We literally, literally are going to
4: go. We're going.
8: No, we're going. We're going. We're going. We're going. So, there was a question in, in the group
2: chat while we were recording um, about whether or not Crossland eats pussy, and I have someone here to answer that question. <gasps> oh, my Crossland, God. Does Crossland eat pussy? <laughs> he's, he's, he's. Is she yes. stunned the silence? This is my roommate and Crossland's ex-girlfriend, Alexandra Lyron. Hi, Cross. Hi, <laughs> how are
1: you? The, what oh, a so what nervous. a moment. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she she can't hear you talking. I know I've headphones. Oh.
5: So Tell Alex that I say hi.
6: I'll so say no, Hi. No, hi. So <laughs> We're
5: see. having the same reaction. <laughs> she was stunned, speechless. So I think
2: he eats it well. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh i got the headphones now she has a headphone so she can
5: hear how it. much do you want to bet that cross edits all of that out of the final episode <laughs> <laughs> like, no Absolutely. he he deletes Run. everything and only publishes he, the he, 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 yes he definitely has cross at the very
6: least it reflects well on him as like a feminist it's true. It's true.
5: this <laughs> is this man was written by a woman ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Dude, i live for groups of women making fun
4: of cross <laughs> <laughs> That is actually one of the rules here. So that's
1: actually it's only a crazy extra dig that you just showed up (laughs) out of nowhere.
2: Wait, so did (laughs) we get did we get a real answer? (laughs) Are you lying?
3: Because no, I'm not.
2: National podcast TV. Let the record show, cross.
5: No, but I have other embarrassing stories if we want to revisit (laughs) this. I have many. So come back in like three drinks,
8: Miss Addy. Talk to us about Spotify playlists and their relation to book talk and or fanfic. Go.
4: I started making playlists because I read books and I read fan fiction and I found that I wanted to listen to something. And I, I have a really kind of the kind of brain where like I listen to a song and I have kind of like what we call plot bunny. Like I have a moment in my head of like, oh my gosh, this is a song that like this character represents. So I have, I have put a link in my bio on TikTok of like playlists for each character and then playlists for books that I read. But, like, if you go on Spotify or you go on Apple Music or YouTube Music, if you're a peasant, and, like, you are trying to find something, you can literally find a playlist for every single character that you have ever dreamed of wanting to like. Or, like, you can find really specific playlists. Like, even there's even a playlist, like, um, songs songs that Hermione Granger would listen to after a breakup with Draco Malfoy. Like, there are playlists like that and they have hundreds of thousands of likes on them. Or like I have one that has 200 and something likes and it's classical Draco Malfoy. And it's like classical songs that I listened to growing up. Cause I played piano and violin, like which by the way, it is canon that he does play piano. I would just like to say, um, but like there are playlists now and audiobooks, and I will shout out like ETL echo, which is enemies to lovers echo. Like, they are an audiobook company that reads fan fiction and puts it on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, and it's by far the easiest way for, like, anybody to get into it. Like, that's how so many of my friends have walked in the door of, like, getting back into reading again.
2: Not for the podcast, but for my own personal knowledge, quick, Addy, um, what is the website that reads fan fiction?
4: I use ETL Echo. I'll put it in the chat. It's ETL Echo, and that's, like, bring him to his knees is in progress like remain nameless is on there uh the right thing to do i just listen to wait and hope and beginning of beginning and end on there
2: does this person just like it's it's like one person that does it for fun yeah she does it for fun
4: i have friends who are writers like i have a friend who is a very decently popular writer and and like her charlie hermione is like one of my favorite books i've ever read
2: fucking hell (laughs) you fucker yeah, and, I'm gonna keep like,
1: you on that train all night. That I'm was not the right thing to say. I'm setting myself up for
8: a drink, but yeah, Mary, I you were always, about though. I cut you off. No, you're fine. I'm setting myself up for a drink here, but with like the book talk to Spotify pipeline or whatever relationship, if you will, uh, that one song that plays before any like images of like Polaris, the like take me. You know what I'm talking about, Lindsay? Oh yeah, the, like the take, take me home song. What?
2: Oh oh oh. In on book talk,
8: yes. Yeah, I just makes me want to cry. Yes, that's all I'll drink. That's so good.
1: So the next thing that we're going to go into is we are definitely going to talk about the differences because there are are gradients here, right? Like, even as we've been talking about it so far, we've already kind of started to define some of these things. Um, So I I guess where do we want to begin with defining these as the kind of spectrum of tastes that they are?
2: We spent an inordinate amount of time (laughs) prepping for this podcast, trying to come up with some sort of gradient um, between Different genres, right? So I think if we're talking about the very far left, the very tamest of the tame of the gradient we're going to be tackling today, we have young adult. And we'll get into more what these uh, mean along the way. Next to young adult, we have new adult. And then you get into romance. After romance, you get into smut. And after smut, you get into erotica, or as Crossan called it, pulp smut. Uh, and he'll explain that later. <laughs> uh, but within That's all of drink. these... <laughs> me-
1: <laughs> but, but you you did a little giggle
2: drink drink drunk. And within all of those five like main overarching categories, obviously there's tons and tons of little faction categories that we might get into as well. Um, but there's also all these tropes and trends. So we're gonna have a rapid fire round where we're all just going to throw out our favorite tropes and trends in some of these these romance uh, smutty smutty books. For instance, right now we're seeing a lot of Hades and Persephone retellings. We're seeing a ton of enemies to lovers. What else is there? Only one bed. Reverse, reverse harems. Who did this
4: to you,
8: broody boys? Touch her and die. I was sworn to protect you.
2: Um, uh,
4: pining,
8: pregnancy, Force proximity, first sure.
5: coworkers, ribbed, ribbed monster. <laughs> Kelsey, Kelsey, take a drink. Take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say ribbed monster dick, because <laughs> baby, sign me the fuck up. Trauma bonding. <laughs>
6: Uh, I wanted to expand, like, the enemies to lovers is good, but I really love the enemies to neutral to friends to lovers, like, with mm. the extra steps in between. Mm-hmm. I think that's nice. That's nice, but I also love hate-fucking. Yeah.
1: So I like
3: <laughs> okay. enemies... I mean, nice, yeah. Best of I'm, I'm not,
1: Cold has I'm some good hate-fucking. That's yeah, all I'm saying. I'm not saying
5: that isn't good, but I'm like, I also love the, like, enemies to enemies who are fucking
2: it's to enemies, enemies to,
5: like, lovers who are fucking it's to like lovers. It's like can possibly
2: Kim Possible yes. Shigo were for sure fucking.
5: Oh my God. For sure.
2: Yes. Wait, is Kim
4: Possible enemies to lovers? It's Shigo be. It in should. our dreams, in
8: Dude, our fucking Kim Possible gay Shigo dreams. fanfic. I'm writing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lindsay, Oh, Lindsay. So
2: before we get into um, kind of breaking down some of these genres, what's everyone's favorite euphemism for genitals? Seed velvet wrapped steel <laughs>
4: member.
5: M- my mound or the area where my stomach meets my hips oh, so i was just
4: talking to my friends about this the other day because my friend was writing a smut scene and i was reading it and i was like you know it's really nice because so many authors talk about like she she realized her nipples were pebbling in her dress and like I don't know about you guys, but like, I don't walk down the street like, oh, my nipples are pibbling. Like, I don't like, <laughs> That's a right or, like, showing like I'm my breasts are overflowing <laughs> through my dress, and like, I'm not walking down the street like, are my nipples pibbling a my jacket. Like, like, so many writers write it, like, and it's like, I know it's supposed to be beautiful for the girl and the guy and like, or whatever the couple is, but like, sometimes it really bothers me that like they write it.
5: No, I hear you, but my nipples are sensitive as fuck, and sometimes when I'm turned on, they could cut glass, and I'm here to, like, relate to that. (laughs) But do you walk down the street and say, oh, they're pebbling?
3: Pebbling? Okay,
5: the the most important question is, did a man write that or did a woman? A woman. If a woman wrote it, I mean, if I get horny, I'm like, oh, shit, my nipples are hard.
3: (sighs) Uh, I'm literally grabbing my boobs right now.
5: I do walk nipples first. You know
1: it. (laughs) You gotta (laughs) roll them forward, you know?
2: I think one of That's my favorite uh, genital euphemisms is when usually female authors will write, you know, he, he advanced towards my bundle of nerves. And I'm like, oh, oh no, you have a bundle of nerves mm-hmm. all over your body. Which one are you talking about? Mm-hmm. It's the center, but the her center. Get
4: more specific. Arousal in her center.
2: Mm-hmm. When, mm-hmm. or.
5: What it's a chapter written from the male's perspective, and he's like, I went into her wet heat.
4: was like, <laughs> <laughs> To help,
8: Blip.
2: tip
4: to help, baby. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, it was like she felt warmth at the bottom of her stomach. And I was like, My stomach does not go that far down, but
6: all right. <laughs> tip, what um, were you maybe- trying to bring in? Oh, yeah. Just with Lindsay's bundle of nerves, I also don't like when they refer to the clit as a button.
2: You yes. press
3: it
6: really? <laughs> don't push it don't, that's not how that
2: works Morse code it's Morse code they're spelling out you're hot on your clit you're,
1: you're asking like a bunch of like gamer raised men at this point to like just <laughs> spam that x button you know like that's
5: right? really no, but unfortunate that's not, that's not the way that's not how it works, how it works. I'm saying that's oh, why you don't first. call it a button Good. like cross I was about to take no, back my yeah, comment no, no, no. of you being a man written by a woman I, and I'm really yeah. glad I really appreciate that to
2: remove that specifically what is it like Thick ropes? Is that it? Thick, oh, ropes. Yes, yeah, thick that's, oh, ropes, yeah. Thick ropes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. like we we uh we both reached our our we both reached our peak, and I watched as his thick ropes covered my abdomen. Like, girl, what? What? What are you? Also, watching? is he
5: healthy? Like, why <laughs> is he okay. ejaculating that much? Like, good for you if you've got giant balls. But I'm you a little so concerned. concerned. Supplements. In two years, like. It's, anyway. <laughs> it's
6: the end of no not November. i mean
5: in the books i'm reading it might be that he's been stalking her for three years and so he hasn't <laughs> fucked anyone and like that i can get behind um, i will drink proactively for that uh that book yeah. is actually called i just read it and i literally fucking forgot what it was called but stalker romance for three years is okay it's called Vipers and Virtuosos and it's the <laughs> second Monster in Muse's yeah. book and it's about a guy who stocks her for 3 years Not before they fight. So,
2: I, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> or just like a long drink. So I think for a lot of us, um, and I'm speaking purely from the millennial slash zillennial perspective, um, one of our first intros to romance and maybe even light smut was Twilight. And thankfully for all of you listeners, we have two of the globe's foremost Twilight experts with us on this podcast today, <laughs> Tiffany Benson and Kelsey McKinney. I'm going to add that to my... Lindsay, I'm gonna
6: add that to my business card. Good, you business should.
1: card, resume, Twitter bio—you know, it all belongs. All
6: of all it. of the things. Tiff, Kelsey, tell us about Twilight. Oh God, I've been—I Tiff
5: and I are built for this. I know I talk about <laughs> yeah. porn, built but for the, this. the magical thing about Twilight—and I'll let Tiff get into this a bit too—but it's in this beautiful space where you're, where it's really sexy, and there's like this tension and intense buildup, but they kind of don't do anything. So <laughs> at a very young age, it was like this exploration of like desire and sexuality without the shame of acting on it mm-hmm. i remember being like edward is the consent king and it's like or like boys who are hot wait <laughs> like shit like that <laughs> so i i think twilight was this really beautiful spot where you started exploring that tension and that desire but it was so okay because there wasn't that shame wrapped up in it from my mm-hmm. own perspective but what about you tiff
6: I totally agree. I think that especially, like, once you hit Eclipse, I'm talking about the whole Twilight series. Yeah, we better. About Twilight, by the way. So, like, when you hit Eclipse and it's Bella who's pushing to have sex and Edward is the one who's like, no, no, we shouldn't. I think that that, Lady Stephanie Meyer did something, like, kind of feminist there where she then, you know, a lot of things that were being written and a lot of the, like, perspectives that we had at the time were very, like oh, boys just can't help themselves. They're always just wanting to have sex. And it was like, mm, well, Bella's more horny than Edward here. Edward is the one saying, no, we should get married first. And Bella's like, mm, consider.
5: <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. And also, I mean, there's Twilight has come back in just this massive force. resurgence, in especially force, yeah. on on talk and in yes. modern media. I mean, literally, I think it was Summit just posted a video of fucking Taylor Lautner, Lautner. <gasps> I found out we've been saying his last name wrong this entire time. Taylor Lautner nice. saying, "Where the hell have you been, Loka?" Again, and it's he, just said, like, it and it he like, said it on Jimmy Kimmel. He said it on
6: Jimmy Kimmel. What?
2: Important side note. Super important side note. Taylor Lautner just proposed and is engaged to a woman named Taylor. So it will be the Taylors Lautner.
8: <sighs> the I'm Taylors Lautner.
2: Oh, like when he was eating tea sweat that's fair yeah this kind of resurgence is like this
5: kick back to nostalgia and these like feelings of being of like your first love and that that like like i still remember the first time i read twilight all the books and like the butterflies i got and i still get them Mm -hmm. every time i reread them that like boost of just like oh you love someone so much for the first time and i also tiff i want to mention you you mentioned eclipse and it immediately (laughs) made me think of the scene that all of us went fucking feral for where edward hooks bella's knee like over him and it was like it was literally just a knee hook and he like maybe like (laughs) pulled his hand up her calf and it was Mm -hmm. the most erotic thing i had ever read and i was just like in ruin
6: (laughs) yes yes i i know exactly what you're talking about like that was I think that the other great thing about Twilight being so, like, kind of innocent but also sensual um, was that it was very specifically geared towards teen girls Mm
3: -hmm. and
6: and moms also because, you know, moms sometimes have to read the things that their teen girls are going to read. And, like, the idea that it was something very specifically geared towards a population who very frequently is hated on and it was something that was so, like, unabashedly for teen girls and like young girls and this really interesting place for them to kind of explore the idea that like true love conquers all in the end no matter what and it's just it's such an interesting cool way to well i think it's cool because i'm 26 and still read them every year mm-hmm. <laughs> at least once a year i mean it's, it's, it's so. Just, oh yeah. god no
2: no no it, it's so funny too though how it like and we'll get into this later in the pod too i think there was you know the classic like team edward team jacob fight right and i remember being in high school and i was i was into twilight in high school i made may or may not have allegedly made t-shirts with puff (laughs) (laughs) paint for one. one of the yeah premieres right and taking pictures that if people care enough we can we can share with with the audience um um but i think it's so interesting right because as a as a 14-year-old or whatever 14 15-year-old I was like oh Edward is this uh pinnacle of love he's protective he's jealous he's um so obsessed with Bella you know he wants what's best for her and now as an adult as somebody who's 28 I look at that and I'm like that is a walking red flag girl you have got to walk right <laughs> away this man is toxic as hell you know and so it's it's, it's interesting how it how it has evolved mm-hmm. and um kind of provided this on ramp for different different types of of romance novels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to add that I think the people who are
5: fans of Twilight now hate on it just as much as we love it. Like we recognize, I think the reason it's it's reblown up again is we recognize the faults in it and we talk a lot about them and we can kind of laugh along with this thing that we love like we're not saying it's bad or that it's stupid to like it or it's embarrassing it's that hey there here's this thing that we really enjoyed here are the problems with it and like let's talk about why that's problematic like there's, you, know, there's you a- know like
8: maybe we do that because we're women and we have to like make fun of the things we enjoy to feel like it's it damn very it
2: valid a- drop dropping truth yeah you know that's I a mean? fair question like, i don't know if that makes
8: sense but like no you made perfect sense. <laughs> no i mean it's
4: the good. fact is that we gatekeep things to our friends like they're like oh well why didn't you tell anybody you're like same with like twilight it's yeah. like we were gatekeeping like we were totally high school gatekeeping
5: well so what i'm talking about like holding it accountable like let's talk about that's the fact it. that jacob imprinted on an infant and there are other characters <laughs> yeah, it's fucked. who like,
4: about that. there's yeah. a
5: lot of there's a lot of parts of the books that that don't hold up to to like standards Modern like, scrutiny. Of a lot of, like there's a In lot of things that we world, need to talk we about
2: strict scrutiny
5: yeah, like we need to be critical about this thing that we love, and that's okay. Like we can yes. still love it and still talk about its faults, but still enjoy it. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the the discourse that I enjoy with Twilight. And also, if you're really familiar more, um, the big hit show is a podcast on Spotify by Alex Papadamis. I have no idea if I'm saying his name wrong or right. I listened to the show and I should fucking know, but it goes into the like insanity of Twilight because they did not expect it to blow up because with the movies, of course, if women like something, they're not going to buy tickets and they're not going to show up and things that girls like don't matter. So that's a really neat podcast about why it blew up and why women's interests are fucking valid. <laughs>
6: yeah. There, speaking of podcasts, there's a podcast that I also really enjoy called Gender Forking that is them reading through all of the Twilight books. And in that, they are both women's studies majors who have master's degrees in that, and they both work in like domestic violence Work. They do outreach for domestic violence. They do all of these things that have to do with preventing and helping folks out of situations that are harmful to them with partners. And they take a very critical lens to some of the things that happen. And they frequently talk about how much, oh, my God, I love Edward, but also like, fuck that guy. Mm -hmm. He's the worst. Um, And in a lot of those things, I don't know, Kelsey, if you've kind of encountered it, there's this very specific charity that they plug a lot in twilight podcast that i have listened to at least called the move to higher ground campaign
5: yes this is so important please talk more about it tiff please please please
6: yeah so um the Collier tribe which is a real tribe that stephanie meyer borrowed the name from and then pretty much nothing else mm-hmm. is a real tribe that really lives in that area of washington and they, due to climate change and tourism and a lot of other things, especially COVID these days, um, are trying to relocate a lot of their living s- spaces because of deterioration of yeah. coasts and rising sea levels. So they um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. also do a lot of tourism yeah. stuff for twilight. There's, there's a lot of people who go and visit La Push Beach, and that is mm-hmm. on their sacred land. When you purchase a Twilight thing, I have made it a practice, at least in my personal life, to then make a matching donation to the Move to Higher Ground campaign. So I like to make sure that other people who also like Twilight know about it because its they don't receive royalties. They haven't received royalties. They don't receive anything from Stephanie Meyer. They don't receive anything from Summit Pictures. They don't receive any compensation for like, the bastardization of their culture. Um so donate to move to
5: higher Donate absolutely so don't, glad you brought that up can yeah. you so, tell
3: so
4: me good. where i could find that like is that on do you find it on twitter or is it website a- you
1: know we'll provide a link inside of the show notes if you can give me a link tiff i'll, I'll add it so that it will yeah. be within the show notes so that people can donate and then on top it of that we'll replug share. it at the end so we can get really specific with that information it is
5: mthg.org so it's okay. super easy but we'll also give the link
1: yeah <laughs> yeah just in case you know if that, I think that brings us from this kind of intro Twilight into young adult.
6: I would love to hit one oh, yeah. more thing. Go ahead. By no, like fire real it. Fast. Um, I, I know Lindsay and I think Kelsey kind of talked about like the history of romance mm-hmm. and how the origins of like popular romance novels go back to the seventies. I truly believe that Twilight is the reason why like, millennials and Gen Z are now getting so into romance. Without a doubt. Like, during the Twilight heyday the first time, do you guys remember the book covers that looked suspiciously like Twilight books? Yes. Like the fake Twilight covers. I think Jane Eyre
5: got, like, Twilight covers. (laughs) Like, Wuthering Heights got a Twilight cover. Yeah!
6: I have a Wuthering Heights copy that has that cover, and it says, like, Edward and Bella's favorite book, which, like, number one. But it... It, like, I think that that is a large part of why, like, people our age are getting into romance and stuff again. Because during the past, you know, several years, there's been a lot of things that have been really traumatizing. And going back and healing your inner child and healing your inner teen has been a lot of resorting back to those things that were comforting when you were younger. And Twilight is a thing that was very comforting for a lot of us. And so I think that that is definitely part of why, like, akatar and other big fantasy romance series
1: are getting so popular again. Yeah, that nah. I can't agree yeah. more. Like, I, I think that Twilight is ultimately responsible. <laughs> no, I, I I agree with you. I think that it totally, like, we're all left speechless because you delivered this perfectly, but I think that... <laughs>
4: Agreed.
1: The... the interesting note here is that i think it is very influential it did also influence el james to do you know like as we've mentioned before like the reason that it's so pervasive and the reason that 50 shades is so pervasive is, is it took that tension and ratcheted it up to where everyone thought it could have gone but in an incorrect direction right so mm-hmm. that's the reason that we we ended up getting that spin-off. and i think that, that makes a lot of sense as to people's interests yeah with that we move in from kind of that intro into young adult, the the sort of starting point for a lot of these. Um I've I have a couple of things to add here too, I think. But
8: you go first, boo-boo.
1: Oh my god, mine are not <laughs> that cool. I was gonna say, like I I remember reading a lot of young adult books and that kind of being like my my latching in point into enjoying these kind of things and really paying attention to characters, I think, first and foremost, which is something that I think young adult transitions you into is really caring about characters. There are a number of different series. I'm definitely not going to step on the ones that you're going to talk about, but Uglies was a big one. um, Oh my god, caring about people, right? Scott Westerfield. Oh my god, I forgot
4: about that. I literally forgot. Yeah,
1: right. Like, totally fits into inside of this young adult category for me, and that's one that I think about all the time. Uh, Finally, becoming a movie, by the way. So that I think is coming out next year. Yeah, or this year. Yeah, but regardless, I I think that lots of these like young adult conversations. This is the entry point into something being more interesting in getting involved with these characters and kind of the will they won't they and they're never going to because it was written for you know a target audience and so it kind of is like the definition of like young adult edging in its own way um always like it's always there uh so yeah
6: i don't think you can say that phrase crossland
5: (laughs) if you would like a book with edging in it (laughs) <laughs> As a recommendation. Yes. One I haven't read yet but is highly recommended is The Dare by Harley LaRoe, which Fuck is yeah. a dark romance with apparently a great edging scene. So that's awesome. Anyway, can we talk about young adult books? I want to hear about young yes. adults.
8: Okay. I feel like such a dummy because I can't remember the author of The Hunger Game. Suzanne,
2: Suzanne Collins. Collins. Thank
4: Please you. make
2: that a TikTok sound. <laughs> that's so funny. Make that a fucking TikTok sound. <laughs>
8: So give me a minute. Okay, so a lot of young adult stuff, at least that in my girly group, and I'm assuming in others, we all kind of got into that like dystopian, um, like girl who's so average, very similar to Bella, um, yes. like gets like greatness thrusted upon her, and she's just like, Thrust. what? Thrusted. Me?
2: Thrusted. Thrusted. this podcast?
8: Thrust. Um.
1: Mary might gut you anyway. Well, um,
8: yeah, so I feel like for a lot of us, when we were reading in like middle school and high school, we had these young girls who are about middle, uh, like, you know, 16, 17 seemed to be kind of like that sweet spot of like, hey, you're old enough where you can like make out with a dude and like feel some feelings, but not quite where it's appropriate to like hear about you boning a dude. And also as a reader, that, that that's what the author was like trying to that her audience was, you know. Just a little bit of like emotional edging, as we've mentioned. Like, ooh, mm-hmm. I feel some feelings in my low tummy tum but we'll just leave it there. So, with with that, there are like characters no, these like
3: feelings coming from. tell me,
8: <laughs> there are characters like Katniss in the Hunger Game, or um, Mayor from from the Red Queen, like um, that like have these relationships, but also at the same time. Um, are, like, dealing with, like, these dystopian power struggles where they're, like, suddenly forced to take down an entire government at the ripe age of 16. And, like, we cannot relate to that, of course. I've so it's interesting that Young Adult, like, not necessarily similar to the other series that we read that are in different genres. Like, Young Adult, I think, almost kind of rarely has, like, romance as the main plot point, And it's usually female protagonist saves the world. And also mm. she has a hottie with a body. So, um, but Red I, Queen I was like, mare, what I'm
1: right? Her name was mare.
8: Yeah. So it's mare. And then, okay, actually by far, I'm not, I was going to jump. Uh, no, I'll do Katniss first. Okay. So Katniss, I feel like, which is so interesting with like team PETA or team Gale, like we kind of came at that series with the same, like team Edward, team Jacob energy, despite the fact that Katniss like was like team, I want my sister to not die. Team, yeah. I'm kind of asexual until suddenly I'm not at the end. Team, um, President Snow wants to murder my family and I'm going to get in the sleeping bed with PETA because he might die. And like, despite team knowing indecision. that. Team indecision. Yeah, team indecision.
2: More like team using a romance for her own like personal gain, which I think is fucking
8: rad.
6: No, it is. And, and the fake pregnancy trope. Yeah. Yes. But, well, that's the thing, too.
8: Like, she has so many things just like happen to her. And I feel like that's a lot of the reason like why some of us could relate to Katniss, despite the fact that she kind of has an apathetic view of life, minus like her one instance with Rue and um think of things, be so smart, think of things. What is it? There's- think of things, things. be Thanks so smart. Think of things. but anyway, so she like as a reader, we kind of like pushed this romance onto her, which I think Susan Collins wars to do and the Capitol did, and her family did, and Gail did, and PETA at some points did. But Katniss was like, I have no like mental capacity for that. So it was kind of interesting that like we did that to her. um, And then at the end, it did kind of turn out that PETA was like her boo. But um, I just remember with this specific... Yeah, because Gail is a war criminal. I just need to <sighs> say it now. So yeah, anyway, I don't even know where my brain was going with that. But the one... I think the first, like, moment in Hunger Games where we all got those little feelings late at night with our block. What feelings, Mary? Yeah, right? <laughs> those feelings the
4: the, at the bottom of your tummy?
8: Like, my little tummy-tum feeling was when Peter was, like, literally dying. Pito was dying. He was, like, half naked because Katniss had to, like, partially undress him. And then at some point, they're, like, sharing this sleeping bag. And I have this, like, very vivid memory... That we were doing like kind of book tastings in middle school and my like teacher had us just read specific chapters out of books to figure like so that we could like kind of get hooked in them and it wasn't the first chapter it was like in the middle of the book and then you're supposed to like ask questions like okay what's the setting what's the time period what's all these things and my bookish girl brain went out the door because all i was reading at this catholic school as a 12 year old was this girl in a sleeping bag with some guy and they're like cuddling to keep warm. And I was like, I'm sorry, what, what what was the question? What did you want?
1: What am I trying to say?
8: Yeah. So I don't know, like that. It's interesting. Like, obviously there's a lack of smut and spice in these young adult books, but we all still felt those feelings because it had that level of intimacy in other ways that I think, you know, got the job done for me so with that in mind um it kind of i don't actually even know when red queen came out but i only read it last year and it it does follow with that like divergent hunger games like dystopian uglies you know main character has greatness rested upon them vibe um and victoria aviard aviard she talked about really specifically how she um chose not to like write smut in her books because one, her like characters are minors, and two, she felt like it wasn't something that she was good at. And she does kind of have that like fade to black moment. But mm-hmm. like, what was so like well, she has Love Triangle, Love Triangle in her her the Red Queen series. There's like this really like brooding evil character kind of Draco vibes that you you kind of root for even though he he is the villain, right? But like you still root for him because he's so twisted and he has all this trauma and his relationship with sorry um, did
4: someone say draco malfoy
8: yeah no that's for you girl so his relationship with mayor is very like twisted and and whatever and like you know you're not supposed to root for them and yet you're like but what if like what if not but um there's there's still like moments of like spice in in these books that don't necessarily have sex like i'm gonna read a quote it's so dramatic
3: type mm-hmm. love.
8: Um, His lips are on mine, hard and warm and pressing. Like, excuse me? What did say? The touch is electrifying, but not like I'm used to. This isn't a spark of destruction, but a spark of life. As much as I want to pull away, I just can't do it. Cal is a cliff. I throw myself over the edge.
4: Okay, <laughs> That's hot.
8: No, I know. And it's like.
5: It's so hot. And it's also like, I don't want to read sex between teenagers. No. Like I right. don't want smut there. I want this like feeling of like. Yeah this intensity this kiss for the first time that means something more than you've ever felt like that's and that's how beautiful about ya
8: it is and it's like it makes you feel like you're a teenager again like having your first kiss with your boo because like that's how intense it does feel some people really
4: like age gaps though like age gap trope is a a thing
5: that's fine but let's have it be past the age of consent that's my
4: only request
5: (laughs)
8: yeah (laughs) very (laughs) true So yeah, the the Red Queen series has that bad boy trope, but it also has like kind of enemy to a little bit forced proximity like relationship, um, and just like something I think is different about the the um young adult versus like fantasy romance is that usually the main character is like destroying the government, um, whereas like with other fantasy series they become like a monarch and like are in this ruling class, so kind of interesting too.
2: They're all anarchists, the original leftists,
8: the original leftists. They're the reasons we are who we are today.
5: I just love the TikToks that talk about this genre of books. And it's like an age old government facing, you know, blah, 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 and terrible things. And then like quick cut to like some 16 year old girl with a bow (laughs) and arrow. Like, I just love that. It's always but I mean, that's why we that's why we like to read them, because it's the average gal. Yeah. The everyday woman who didn't know she was the chosen one. We're just and it's more relatable. Stable.
2: It's like our Harry Potter. So I was like, I've provided for my family and I am really good yeah. with a bow and arrow. I'm, and I'm also beautiful, but I don't know it. You can't tell me I'm that. I'm not <laughs> like other girls. Right. Yeah. <laughs> other girls. Other
8: girls like cute dresses and being pretty. I like carnage. Right. But if there's anything I missed that I should touch on, someone just give me a in question. I could do that. So I just rambled.
6: No, I think, I think you covered a lot of great stuff. And really, like, you can kind of tie that back into another Sarah J. Moss thing with Fera. Like, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to tie in, like, speaking of girls who, like, don't know they're special, but they, like, have a bow and arrow and are really good bow at and
1: arrow and carnage yeah. and
6: <laughs> taking care of their family. Yeah, yeah.
5: Yeah. Yes. Uh-oh. This is a trope that comes with any amount of spice. Like that's <laughs> it. Just
8: great trope. Well, and just to wrap right. it up, like the this the selection series too has like that love triangle. It has um, this kind of like forced proximity thing. It's it's Y A the Bachelor, but with a monarchy, and yet it's futuristic and kind of dystopia utopia. Whatever is the writing good? I don't know, but
6: it's a good read. I don't know, but it's a read.
1: It's absolutely a read. Tiff, you wanted to mention something about John Green.
6: I did. Yeah, I think that modern times, it's kind of fun to like shit on John Green a little bit. And it was like back in the day too, like Tumblr era, a lot of shitting on John Green. Uh, But I do think that like John Green probably has a large part to do with the reemergence of romance as well. And especially for, yeah, kissing in the Anne Frank house is a bad choice but uh he okay, also did his, he was his H- video
4: about that recently though no so he did an he entire he did an entire tiktok video about that specific scene and i wish i, I still won. don't
5: i don't think he said it. I, I still don't i mean i have no problems with john john green but i don't think his description for it was good enough. no I'm his, his description was
4: not good but like his whole description of like the cigarette between the mouth is like the euphemism for, like, you are in charge of your own destiny was really, really mm-hmm. fascinating. And, like, anyway, John Green tiff. books, they were just completely different. Like, they were a different breed of book.
6: Yeah, I, I really like John Green. I continue to really like John Green. And one of the things that, one of the phrases that has been really impactful on me for my entire life is, in fact, John Green talking about Twilight. And I know that, you know, that's quite a sentence, but... He, that is a drink for you we were because back. we're
1: no longer in the Twilight section. It is, but.
6: yeah, you're yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's still young adults. So yes, it should kind be of, still found, but it's adjacent. Yeah. Um, but he talks about how Twilight is not necessarily like a good series. It's not a good book. It's not a well written book. But it is a beautiful thing for young girls and young women and young people to experience because it's a story where despite everything else that's going on in that world the love that the two main characters have is the most important thing and it is what continues at the end of the day and it is what saves the rest of the family and that's an important thing for young readers to to read and to to kind of connect with and so despite you know the you know occasional cringiness of anybody over the age of like 40 trying to do content that relates to teens and stuff but I I still think that John Green is a big champion for girls enjoying books and is a large part of why there are girls who enjoyed books then and girls who enjoy books now.
1: To a similar extent, I want to I want to add in a little bit um, like TJ Klune uh, with the Cerulean Sea Mm -hmm. is is similar. And I think that that. Is young adult and also um, embracing kind of a gay relationship as well, which, you know, important inside of us to make sure we hit a lot of things. We are hitting a lot of things in terms of recommendations. But in a similar vein, I feel like he's kind of become this like fantasy version of John Green or is becoming this fantasy version of John Green. Um, yeah, I, I think what's so interesting to me about YA and then we'll go into classics here. But YA is something that is almost entirely a marketing term. It is it is meant to be evocative of like a certain period in life, maybe, or something acceptable for a certain audience. But that really just leaves it as a marketing term. As adults, we're welcome to enjoy YA because it is, you know, it's kind of like a time capsule in, in some ways in the ways that they're written and things like that. But, I, you know, it's um, there's nothing wrong with enjoying YA. It's just not for everyone, too. So, I mean, common, just like anything else. Um, one thing that I don't think we mentioned in the intro at all, the romance genre is the number one selling genre, that there is. So it is also the largest chunk of money that is made in books. Is it really? It is. It's number one. Not um, by and by a it lot. Doesn't, yeah. It
5: doesn't get the respect it yeah, fucking deserves. Right. No. It's and so annoying. Because
8: misogyny.
1: Right. Ugh. Right. Yeah. So I I just but realized like, that we forgot even, to bring that up earlier.
8: Even, even things things It makes sense. Like you think about what gets consumers to buy and be engaged. It's like you get married, you get a kid. Or someone dies. Like that's just like TV, Instagram, TikTok, books, whatever. You and just broke like, down everything that I love
1: in like one moment.
8: No, literally. Mm-hmm. It's like you. It's fantasy romance. Both all of those things happen.
6: Yeah, I mean, and really, like romance is one of the few genres that, like, that can definitively one hundred percent happen to you. Right. That's right. a good point.
1: Great point. It's it's really like, easy to imagine like, the I'm fantasy never... or stretch yeah, yourself into those. Like,
6: I'm never gonna throw a ring into a mountain in New Zealand, but I have like gone enemies to lovers, and now we're married. Like that's Dude. something <laughs> did that's you realistic. Enemies
2: to lovers arc. Yeah, I need know. We had an. I didn't know that. We
5: had that's, an enemies
6: okay. to lovers oh, arc. Okay, and now we're married.
5: My well, relationship, my partner and I, are a friends to lovers that hinged on a one bed trope. I'm not <gasps> even fucking kidding. When like did amazing. you oh a one bed trope? We, he, he stayed over and we stayed up all night looking at each other's tumblers and talking and suddenly it was six in the morning and I was like, you can stay. And he oh was God. like, I'll sleep on the couch. And I was like, no, no. Mine.
2: and we literally did that. A lot of people talk about the origination of the romance genre dating all the way back to the classics. Uh, we have, you know, Wuthering Heights, Jane Eyre, Jane Austen, Princess Bride, that kind of situation. Mary and Tiff, what do you have to say about that?
6: Yeah, I I think that you kind of spoke to it earlier, Lindsay, and about how those books are a lot of longing. They may not be necessarily like explicit or, you know, particularly exciting to modern audiences all the time. But it's full of a lot of angst and longing and desperation and overcoming something to be together. And I think that that is also impactful into what romance is now.
8: One of my favorite things that my mom actually mentioned about um, Jane Austen is that you really have no idea what's going on like politically, historically um, during the time period that she's writing in and like the time period that she's in. Because for her, like her perspective was relationships and it was marriage and it was family and it was what women experienced was so different than Maybe the the male members of their household or, you know, their rich cousins, like their concerns were far different than like what Jane and her sister and then obviously the fictional like Bennett sisters and and so on and so forth were dealing with at the time. So like it's a it's definitely like the female gaze because that's how she operates. Um, And especially, you know, our favorite enemies to lovers is in a Jane Austen book that we all, you know see us the blueprint
6: I was I was literally just gonna say let's pour one out for the 2005 Pride and Prejudice hand flex exactly did you know it was improv like what the hand flex
5: the hand flex from Pride and Prejudice Matthew McFadden improvised it and it is, like, the be- it is the most intense fucking scene in that movie. Like, I cannot describe the way I feel when I mm-hmm. watch him hold her hand up to the carriage, let go, and then, like, flex his hand because touching her mm. made him feel so intense. Oh! Mm-hmm. Well, and that just goes
8: to show, like, just for, like, you know, obviously Jane Austen's books probably have the least amount of smut and spice to the untrained eye but to a woman yes. or someone who appreciates those like or s- someone in general who just like, appreciates those that that intimacy and that like wanting and this and the subtlety um it's ev- it's everything like it's that's all that's all we use it's like when you like one of my favorite scenes I'm, I'm actually referring to the movie here so i apologize but it's all part of the genre like when when she's under in the 2000 version when she's like under the sheets with her sister and they're like giggling and they're like talking about it or whatever like that, or women or just folks in general who like are entering your relationship, those little moments, those like the looks and the the feeling of a muscle as you like push past them and like all, all those things are just as like as like an actual sex scene so
6: yeah, I think that those kinds of stories and those kinds of books and those kinds of scenes are really you know that's where we get the phrase that man was written by a mm-hmm. woman. Mr. Darcy is the blueprint for a man who was written by a woman. Yep. So that's why we like that today.
8: This
2: yes, man. 100%. And while we have those um sort of classics that that laid the foundation or laid the blueprint, right, for um all the romance novels to come, we also have romantic fiction which is not to be confused with romance novels and though they might sound like they're the same thing they are not the same thing. Mary and Addie, how does romantic fiction differentiate from romance novels?
4: Okay, I'm literally holding a Nicholas Sparks book in my hand right now so I recently watched Safe Haven and so I was like I'm really interested to see how much this follows the book so I bought a $5 copy of the book on like target.com or whatever. It is night and day compared to like I will say Nicholas Sparks, safe haven. Like I love safe haven because it is a woman getting out of a tough situation. And it is something that like, well, I don't relate to it and I have no way to relate to it. Like I admire that she takes things into her own hands and goes for it. And it's a fade to black in a way that feels very, I hate to say, but like safe. Like Nicholas Sparks is like a nice, safe, romance book of like you just want something that you can like sit down and read at the end of the day and you won't have bad dreams. And that's the only way I can describe it.
8: Yeah. I I that was like probably my my actual first. like I know we talk about Twilight as like our step into that, but I think I read Nicholas Sparks probably at like slightly too young of an age. But I remember thinking um that they were well first of all, I felt like kind of less bad about it because he's like a very Christian author. <laughs> and I was like, see. It's jesus We're good. Um, because I, I mean, was like, the, the thing about like, it
4: is like, when you read a Nicholas Sparks book, there's nothing bad about, it. like there's nothing. Yeah. Like when you read the notebook or you watch the notebook or you read Safe Haven, I don't mean, I like tying it back to the whole guilt thing and like tying it back to the whole, like you're reading smart for the first time. Reading a Nicholas Sparks book, I don't feel weird about putting it on my Goodreads. Like I don't yep. feel weird about like having people see that I'm reading it. When Mm -hmm. I put something, like, some monster fucking book or, like, even, like, weird, like, or not weird, but, like, even a deep romance book, like, I feel guilty when my Kindle syncs to my Goodreads and, like, people from high school see this and, like, people I went to church with or, like, my family friends see it. When I put a Nicholas Sparks book on my Goodreads, I'm like, "Mm, whatever, it's Nicholas Sparks.
8: At this point, it's like reading Jane Austen. It's just exactly fun. like it's yeah. in the
4: same genre of like it's almost like what people expected romance to be.
8: Exactly. Yeah, I do think that's true. Yeah. Like Addie,
5: I really want you to I'm excited for the journey you're on to unwork that shame that you feel about some of those books you're sharing on your on your Goodreads, because there is nothing inherently shameful about reading this kind of stuff. It's a journey.
4: I call them like the books that are going to change your life. And that's the only thing they put on their Goodreads. And like the only thing that they put on their Goodreads is like what people want them to know. And like, I have mine synced to my Kindle now. So like fan fiction links to it, like Kindle Unlimited links to it. So, and it's even something like I have talked to my therapist about is like not wanting to be judged. Like who the yeah. cares? Like no one cares yeah. what you're reading. And like, It's something I've struggled with my entire life. And, like, Lindsay and also have known me since I was in first grade. Like, Judgment has been something on my mind since I was in first grade. And, like, putting a Nicholas Sparks book or a fan fiction or whatever on my Goodreads, like, currently reading. Like, just being like, okay, whatever. Yeah.
2: Yeah. This is literally me with putting a... Books I have to read for law school on my Goodreads because I have to read all these (laughs) books that sound like I'm a fucking finance bro investing in (laughs) NFTs. Um, But I'm like, look, I am reading this book. It's going on my Goodreads. So if you start seeing shit like Profit First and Getting to Yes and Getting Past No, which sounds really sexual, (laughs) but it's all about running a business, let me tell you. you – read those then write
5: the fanfic that is sexual with the same (laughs) title i love that oh my god i would love
8: to that's incredible um but back to back to nicholas sparks for a second i just i so i grew up a military kid and like the romanticized south coastal south is definitely like a big theme in his books like they're always in this like small south carolina town where you know, there's a nice woman who works at like the convenience store and or like the notebook where it's like old money or whatever. But it it's just it's a romantic read because it's it's summery and it's warm. And um, the, the funny thing, too, is like, yeah, it's written by a man, but the main character is the, is the girl and like her journey most of the time, except for maybe um, like Dear John, which also was like a fantastic book. Well, I don't know if it was
6: fantastic, but I liked it. <laughs> That's a Taylor Swift song. You can't trick
8: me. Yeah, right. I remember actually feeling very confused when I was like, "Wait a minute, it's like the Spider-Man meme with the two- Um yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I I definitely felt. I don't know, like it it gives a sense of like kind of home and like kind of this like classic, on a vibe when you read it. So I did read, I did How reread you- Dear John. I think last year actually.
4: I literally you- read Nick. So Nicholas Sparks books for me, are, like, palate cleansers. Like, when I'm like, done with a really, really big series. Or, like, so right now, I'm in the middle of Kingdom of Ash, which is, like, the last Throne of Glass books. And at the, the last Throne of Glass book, at the same time, I'm reading Safe Haven by Nicholas Sparks, because it's what I like to read before I go to bed. It is, <laughs> and I'm not gonna have bad dreams about spiders. I'm not gonna think that someone is murdering me. It is happy. It is PG the worst thing that happens is finished in one chapter versus some of the books that I read, like they are kidnapped for months on end. And I have read a lot of non-con, like I've read a bit of non-con and things that are really, really uncomfortable. Which we'll get to.
5: and Which we'll get to. Like
4: that is something I can't read before I go to bed. And so like Nicholas Sparks is like a nice like palate cleanser before I go to bed. Like, and that's the only way I can describe it.
8: Definitely a good like get out of a reading slump, and or if you don't want to have sad kidnapped in a coffin nightmares, definitely
6: recommend. It's the equivalent of like watching an episode of a cartoon after you watch like a super scary movie yeah. before you go to sleep, so you don't have bad. For experience.
8: sure,
1: it's actually a great um, comparison.
8: Absolutely. <laughs> one of the
2: one of the other books that I put solidly into the romantic fiction um category is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, which I put off reading yes. until earlier this year, which is just like a beautifully written, lovely mm-hmm. novel
3: um Sounds like about
2: time travel. Not really, it's not even time travel, I'm sorry. Back up. Beautifully written lovely novel about existing in a world where no one can see you and there is romance and there is sex, but that's absolutely not the center or even a major plot point, right? It's a novel that has romance. And I think that's that's really beautiful. Um I think another thing that sometimes people confuse with romance novels slash romantic fiction, because it's widely loved by women, is the book of the month type books. So books like The People You Meet on Vacation, Beach Read, The Roommate, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, no, please, Addie, go on a rant because um, these books aren't these books aren't bad. But they are, they're books that have become stereotypically feminine. Okay, mm-hmm. so Book of the Month, I've had
4: Book of the Month for like a year. It first started out with my friend Sarah and I wanted a reason that we could FaceTime once a month. So we, bought, we started Book of the Month so we could pick the same book, read it, and then we could do a book club about it. I quickly started realizing Book of the Month is the kind of book that's, the book is going to change your life. Or this book is so deep dark, it's going to really change the pivotal perspective that you have. And at first it was like the seven hus- or the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo and Beach Reed and people we meet on vacation. And for someone like me, anything that was in the romance category was like, okay, this is fine. I've read much deeper stuff, but like everything doesn't need to be like that. And it has quickly become a genre of people or a genre of book talkers that read this book of the month. And I recently even saw a video of someone on book talk that said it is black history month in February. And they have one book on book of the month in the entire thing that is written by a black woman author and no hate against book of the month. I think that's something that they should have looked at, but like looking at book of the month, it is such a different perspective than so many other things but it has become a norm that like if you read a certain book you got it from book of the month.
5: Yeah, I think it's important to add the distinction to of of the org- organization of book of the month and the books that are included in that program. Because some of those books are like really fucking awesome. Like one of my favorites is The Roommate, that is such a good book. Like I Yeah, it's this mentality of, like, you have to be in the program and reading the books that everyone else is reading to be cool in the book talk community or in the book reading community. And it's like it's this level of like weird gatekeeping that's happening. And then also it's this really also added layer of a very white perspective in terms of how we read books and, and what sort of books we're highlighting. It's, it's, I mean, every, this is, I could go on a rant. I've had enough to drink to go on a rant in terms of like our patriarchal structure and the racism that we exist in and like the ways that we are not educated enough in terms of outside of our existence. I mean, we're.
2: So to me, book of the month feels like the equivalent of a, very affluent white Anglo-Saxon family who puts a coexist slat, who puts a coexist sign in the front lawn of their house on the richest street in whatever major city they live on, right? Um, and they get a book every single month that makes them really feel like they're living up to that "Nimby, not in my backyard" mm-hmm. pledge that they have to make the world a better place, right? And I'm not saying I'd never ever want to fault somebody for reading because I think reading is always. Excellent and like you are better off for reading than you are not reading. But there is something about um the book of the month romance style. If we're gonna bring it back to romance, right? Romance style where it's like men or partners or whoever doing the absolute bare minimum and people losing their fucking minds over it and being like, This partner, listen to me, talk about my trauma. And it's like, yeah. Because they fucking should. So, you know, or if you look this at this like, person like read, cared about yeah. me just a little bit and it's like, wow, that's incredible. I hope that happens to you with every person you have in your life. And I think that's where I get frustrated with some of these book of the month books because they feel a lot of them are really beautifully written, but they feel very bare minimum where romance and relationships and expectations of the friends and family in your life are concerned.
4: If you look at like beach read or people we met on vacation, people we meet on vacation, I ended up reading and I had such an issue with it because it was absolutely that it was absolutely like. You are literally doing the bare minimum as a human being for like respecting but this I person's liked feelings. It. Oh, I was adorable, but, but like, I liked it. It was like but like <laughs> but he called her
5: tiny fighter. It was so cute. Oh, call me
4: fireheart <laughs> and I will fucking open my legs for you like <laughs> <laughs> I know. Fireheart. We're doing nicknames. Oh,
8: but anyway, no, I think thing. I think, Make me spread my seed if you know what. <laughs> yeah.
5: I think the baseline of a lot of this is that these these are I'm sure enjoyable good books, but they're not the best of the best. And treating mm-hmm. them like the best of the best, or if you're not reading these books, you're not interesting or engaged enough, or know enough about what books are happening. Like it's the gatekeeping and the pedestaling of the of this this these kinds of reads that I think feels really painful. It's the cool girls club, like that's what book of the month is, and that's why it sucks ass because it's like
4: those aren't even the best reads.
5: Like, What's crazy on. is
4: when you actually go through with what is what is genuinely on your list so like in february like i went through and i said okay i have a list of books i want to read and i went through and looked at like what they have i ended up skipping february because i was like every book on here is trying so hard to change my life and like be this book that how ha- basically makes me have this breakthrough like i i use you mean you don't to want
1: self-help fiction
4: Exactly. Like I want, to, I want to escape my real world. Like, I don't want to think about the pandemic during the day. Like, I don't want to sit down and read a book about a girl with mental health problems because I have enough to fucking deal with. It's like, those books are like, this girl had someone get shot in her family and everybody died and this person had drug overdose. And it's like, okay, this is so emotionally heavy. Like, I like fiction and I like romance and I like fantasy because it allows me to just peace out like it's like Especially disassociating like but it's fine like
8: right with, with we just
4: need to know what we're getting into yeah that's what it is yeah i just don't want to read like... a book about someone who's having an absolutely obliterated a hard time when i'm having a hard time and it's like i will, i like to read about people who are doing well because it's like oh my god someone is doing well in this world that's just completely fucked up and overwhelming
8: yeah yeah, yeah. i think that's why what made. um Court of silver flames, so different. Yeah, one thousand percent. That's it a drink so for nice you, Mary. To see
4: a woman. It was so <laughs> nice to see a woman, and like I will pray as thrown of glass because, like, I know I texted Kelsey like two weeks ago. I was like, it's so nice to see a woman doing well and like kicking butt because she just wants to.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep.
4: And it was like it's so oh, yeah welcoming to see a woman, like, doing well and kicking butt, and it's not because she has some dr- some trauma that she's, like, trying to resolve. She just wants to kick ass.
8: Yeah. True. Although, Aelin does have trauma. That she well,
4: she trauma. does. She has a lot of trauma, but she forgets it because she disassociates from all of it.
2: It's interesting, too, to me sometimes that there's this, like, in-between, right, between romantic fiction and the next category we're going to talk about, which is romance slash new adult, where it's, like, fantasy
3: Mm-hmm. Plus, like,
2: a romantic plot line, right? So I'm thinking of books like The Priory of the Orange Tree, which is a lesbian fantasy, uh, like a high fantasy lesbian romance. Which completely romance. took over
4: book talk too.
2: Right, right. But it's not really as much romance as it is fantasy. It's fantasy plus lesbian romance, which is awesome. So can we really put it in the romance category? Probably not. Um, it probably deserves its whole own, like, podcast episode or series. <coughs> Crossland, TJ. <PJ>. Um, <laughs> But that being said, then you don't want our perspective. Let's be honest. No, I do want your perspective. I think it'd be interesting. Something like like romance slash new adult, which um, Mary, what is romance slash new adult fiction?
8: It's a great question. I feel like romance and new new adult is when there is just enough spice that it doesn't quite fit into young adult anymore. And usually the characters are from like 18 to like late 20s. Um, But they still kind of have these like new budding relationships and um, are still kind of going through these like entering the world, coming of age moments, but with Spice, I think.
2: Right. Yeah. I think it's these characters who, I think Kelsey said it earlier, um, as adults, right? We want to read books about people who are living the lives that we live. That includes Mm -hmm. reading books that have a realistic description of sex. Yes.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the first half of the show. The second half should be in your feed, so make sure to check that out to hear the explosive conclusion.